Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Baseball Dads Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Nick Wolf is with us. And why I asked Nick to be uh, on our guest for this podcast is because he's got a very unique uh, career in that he works um, uh, at, at a university where he helps students uh, identify their strengths, identify their, uh, well, I'll let him ex- explain it exactly. I don't want to, because it's such a unique position, I don't want to mess it up. But he also has a background in coaching, coaches his son, he's involved with the league. So, Nick, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Paul. So, I didn't want to misquote your position there, but tell us what yeah. you do. <laughs> sure, I'm very- actually, yeah, I, yeah, I'm with, um, I'm with, uh, 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 Small liberal arts, private liberal arts school here in San Diego, Point Loma Nazarene University, and I am the director of the career center here. Um, and in, our career center is actually titled the Offices of Strengths and Vocation. And so our focus here is uh, really we're a strengths-based campus with a focus on really highlighting what people do well as opposed to what people do. Um, uh, wrong, and so our focus is to get students to think about, you know, what they what they uh, have in terms of gifts and how they can use those gifts to accelerate their career, um, to to be a better student, to be a better son, daughter, um, and and really to think about what's right with them as opposed to what we do culturally, and focus on what's wrong with them, and so we're we. We get certified through the Gallup Corporation, so StrengthsFinder and Gallup Corporation. And it's a great program, and it is really focused on what we do well as opposed to what we do wrong. And so we use that to help students uh, in life choices, primarily on the, on the career and the vocation side, though. So, so this is so interesting to me, because I don't know if you saw the last video we put out about baseball parents. Um, but in that video, I'd say, make sure you're casting your son in the right role. You know, so if we want, if we're directing an action thriller and we want an Academy Award winner with 20 years of acting experience, household name, uh, and they have to be a great actor and their name is Tom, well, we can get one of those. We can get Tom Hanks. (laughs) But that, if we're doing an action adventure thriller, it's not going to be as good as getting Tom Cruise. You know, so we can have a lot of things that kind of line up right, but the wrong person cast in the right in the wrong role uh, can kind of change the way a movie looks. So I always say to parents, like, are we making sure we're casting our son into? Are we are we asking Tom Hanks to do an action adventure movie because that's probably not making the best use of his acting ability? 
You know, he's better suited for different types of roles. So is that kind of similar to what you're describing? It is, and we we have those conversations with students all the time, just in that either their parents have already dictated what they are going to get their degree in or what they are going to um, eventually wind up doing as a career. And uh, I have students that come and say, hey, my parents want me to be a doctor or a lawyer or a CPA. Or they decide, hey, I, I think I want to try this, but it, it you know, it doesn't sound fun. Or And what I always try and impart on the students is the fact that, one, you're going to be doing this it's no longer 20 years. You're going to probably be doing whatever you're doing potentially for the next 30 to 40 years. And so right. if it's something that's not going to uh, – not all jobs can make you happy, but if it's not something that's going to fulfill, you know, these buckets that we try and fill throughout our lives, one, you're not going to be happy, and two, an unhappy doctor mm-hmm. is not the doctor that I want. You know, I, I want somebody who enjoys their work and finds it fulfilling because they're just not going to be good at it. And I think, like you're saying, we do the same thing with our with our with our children that we we try and dictate to them what they should or shouldn't do and what role they potentially could be in. When they're not going to be happy, and if they're not going to be happy, probably not going to be successful. Yeah, and I think this is this is the struggle. Uh, speaking as a parent and 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 a guy who speaks to parents all day long, to me, this is really the, the struggle here. Is how do we with all of the options that are available for kids today, and that can be good and bad, right? Sometimes it's overwhelming, the amount of things they can do. Um, But with sports, you shared with me something interesting about playing a lot of sports about athletes you work with. With sports, do we tend to, is is it best for us, through your experience, that we narrow our focus early or expand our focus early? Well, and that, I mean, that leads right into what's great about strengths is that one we want to we want to pigeonhole our students so Gallup put out this this research on what parents focus on and when a re- report card comes home we typically focus on the f as opposed to the a so if if we think math is the most important thing then and they don't do well in math then and I do this with my own child even though this is what I do for a living. Right. <laughs> I will typically focus on why didn't you do well in math? You know, you oh oh yeah, you did great in spelling and reading, but math, you're not doing well. So we always focus on the negative. It's the same right. thing in sports. If you've got a, a especially at the at the primary school level, at the you know first through fifth grade, we want them to focus. We focus on oh, I saw a little brush of talent there you know, in baseball, so I'm just going to focus on that, as opposed to them, you know, uh, potentially we haven't even given an opportunity to play soccer or basketball or football or water, they can't even start playing water polo until they're, you know, eight, nine years old, so how do we know they're not going to be in water polo or lacrosse, or there's so many sports out there that they potentially could excel at, but we get them focused on that one thing, you know, and so we're only going to focus on that as opposed to saying, oh, yeah, you, you, you need to manage what you're doing here in math. You know, you're not, you're not doing well, but we can work on that. But I love what you're doing in spelling. I love what you're doing in writing and reading and, you know, really focusing on. So if we see this little thing 
that we than in baseball that they're doing well. We're going to focus on that instead of saying, well, let's open this up to a lot of different things. And if you don't do well in this one, okay, are you having fun? Maybe keep them doing that because you never know how long it's going to take them to progress to where they are excelling in it. And right. so I just think as parents we just get focused on whatever it is, the good, the bad, and we need to open it up into to where we're looking at our child as a whole as opposed to just these little fragmented pieces. It, it, I see it in parents where it's kind of like their son or daughter does something and there's that look like, I made that. I, I made that. You know, that's, that's, that's part, that comes from it. You know, and, there's, and, and it, it's, a, it's a real feeling. You know, it's a feeling of pride. It's a feeling of love, right, that, that, that your child can have uh, some kind of a skill. But I want to ask you specifically about the strength finders because I've been a huge advocate for taking as many tests and as many of these things as we can find. Because every time I took a test, like Myers-Briggs or Colby or any of the other strength, but I've always, it always revealed like another layer of myself, you know, that to me did one of two things. It said, okay, now I understand why this was a struggle for me. And then on the other hand, it said, oh, well, now I understand why I did that well and why that seemed to come so easy. So just as an example, when I took the Myers-Briggs, it, told, you know, it finally revealed to me that I was more of an introvert, mm. you know, rather than an extrovert. And so now, now it totally understood why sometimes I just needed 15 minutes to sit down and be alone. It's not that I didn't want to be around people. It's just that that's how I recovered and recharged. Yeah, that's yeah. how my personality was. Um, and it's, so, so can we talk about that, like the different type of – because I think these are really powerful tools that are very sure. easy to, easily accessible to everyone. Yeah, and they're and they are easily accessible to everyone. And we use we use a couple of different tools here, uh, and and a lot of universities use either a Myers Briggs or a Strong Interest Inventory. We we also use those for more of the career assessment piece. So if uh, you know some of our students, particularly millennials, don't like to be boxed, so Myers Briggs will box you a little bit. So I'm an ESTJ. Here are the jobs that fit an ESTJ, and so that's what I'm going to Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm an ESTJ. <laughs> I definitely shouldn't be coaching and working with, right. you know, first graders. I'm way too pragmatic, um, but in terms of what I do at the, at the collegiate level, works perfectly. Now, a strong interest really is geared towards here are what my passions, here's what I'm interested in. We can actually put a career to that Issue, um, that interest and passion. And so if people are doing work or doing activities more geared towards what they're passionate about, they're going to be more fulfilled. Where strengths comes in, these are really talents that we've been given. And so my wife, for example, is high empathy, high achiever, high developer, and these are all key terms in the strengths quest uh, vocabulary. And High empathy, um, particularly, she's an incredible nurse practitioner. She works with, uh, with babies. She works in a newborn nursery for a large hospital here in San Diego, and she is incredible at what she does. And so 
Now, did she choose that career based on what her strengths were? No. She, but her strengths help her, definitely help her in the career that she has chosen. And being able to understand that, being able to understand how high her empathy is or how high her achiever is, allows her to basically invest in those strengths just by understanding them and then actually be able to use them more when she's interacting with patients or when she's interacting with just people in general or with our family. And yeah. so what I love about the Strengths Finder is it doesn't tell you what job you need to go into or what career you need to go to, into. It doesn't box you. What it does is it gives you a set of tools that you can use with, with whatever career. Um, and I want to say uh, there's been over, you know, 3 million people that have taken the Strengths Finder. Um, it's through the Gallup organization. So it's originally founded by Don Clifton, who was from Azusa Pacific University, and he was the father of positive psychology, basically, and really got into his head that, hey, why do we focus so much on what's wrong with people when we should be focusing on what's right with people? And if we focus on what's right, they can use what's right with them to actually enhance their lives and enhance their career. And so what we, what we use this for and what they found that you can use this for is basically to uncover these talents, uncover these strengths, and then invest them just by understanding when you use them and when, when you don't use them. And then we can use these strengths to enhance whatever we're doing, whether it be as a dad I can enhance, you know, use my achiever or my responsibility or my harmony to enhance my relationship with my son or my wife or my team or my students. And so I love strengths in that it gives us a, a set of tools. What I really love about it, it's, in, it's extremely unique. So only one so out of out of uh, you have a top five strengths, right? So top five mm-hmm. that we use. There's 34 talents or 34 strengths that you can you can potentially get, but we operate use, using really the top five. It's a one in 33 million chance that you find somebody who has the same top five in the same order as you do. So it's wow. very unique, and that's what I love about it is. They're your talents. They're your gifts that you've been given, and then how you invest in them and how you use them um, is up to you. And so we just try and get our students to think about that. See, to me, that see that. So let me do my best to translate how I how I feel that works in baseball. Is I feel that players are given unique abilities, you know, and all kids right are given unique abilities in different areas. You know, so you're saying there's one in 33 million chance that there's somebody like you with uh, the same order and the same skill. And, and what I try and teach kids is that, and, and parents and coaches as well, is that you're, the best place for you, for your unique gift to work is in a team. Because the, ever, all the greatest teams that we see in business and life or in baseball or anything, it's this combination of unique gifts. You know, it's, 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 we saw it with the Cubs, right? The Cubs were a great example. You got, you got a, a John Lester, a lefty veteran pitcher who, who pitches a certain way. You got Kyle Hendricks, who's this spot pitcher 
lower velocity for major league level, calm, you know, kind of stoic type of personality. And then you have a roll to Chapman who comes in and blows 101 miles per hour. And you've got different types of hitters, you know, every, but all of them blended together for an outcome. You know, if you didn't have a roll to Chapman there, you probably wouldn't be there. If you didn't have Kyle Hendricks, you wouldn't probably wouldn't win the World Series. And so all of these things is, is, is that's what, instead of trying to be like everybody else, I read this great quote one time, um, that when you try to become somebody else, you falsify your life. Mm. And I think as, as a base, as an athlete too, this is, this is you know, the topic of our, our podcast is baseball. But I think that when, you know, we see too many people that are just not willing to be themselves. So if Kyle Hendricks tried to throw 101 miles an hour like a Rolvis Chapman, he probably struggled. You know, I, I guarantee he'd struggle, and vice versa. You know, vice versa. So each of those guys are using what's unique to them. And I always thought, and I always said this to parents, like, can you imagine when Barry Bonds was the best hitter in baseball? And I put aside all the other stuff we know about Barry Bonds. But when he was the best hitter in baseball, he was the greatest pole hitter in baseball. And could you imagine after a weekend of hitting two or three home runs that Dusty Baker would say, now, Barry, those home runs to right field, are, they're great. They're fine. They're good. They're good. But why don't we try hitting some singles? Yeah, or go off the field for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, let's try hitting some singles up the up, off, off the yeah. field singles. Let's, you know, and, and and that's really what it is, right? I mean, that, it's kind of like finding this is what you do best. Focus on what's right, not what's wrong. And let's try and take what you do right, couple it with what this person does right, and this person does right, and all of a sudden, you know, all the bones come together and form a body, right? Yes. And that's and and that is you explain that wonderfully. We really do want to focus on. We always want our our players or our children to be something different than they. I mean, we just we we innately want to do that. We want to cast them in a space where they probably don't fit. And so we always want to. Right. You know, my son is small, and he's probably and he is a. Decent little shortstop second baseman. He's a decent little middle infielder. He's smart. He knows where to go with the ball. However smart you could be at seven years old, right. he's probably never going to be a power hitting, you know, first baseman, third baseman. Uh, so, but do I want him to still play those right now? Yeah, but I under I understand where he needs to go. To put it into uh, another, uh, to put it into another. Um, language that maybe some of your parents might understand if they're in business or if they're hiring do we all want to do we want to hire people who are exactly like us we'd love to but does that make us a a unique you know does that make us a unique or diverse group i always hire um people who are different than me because what it does is it adds to your talents so i'm very strategic i'm very pragmatic I always hire people who are more creative because I need that or people who are innovative because I'm not. And so I want right. to I want to add to my strengths by the way I hire. And it's the same thing with forming a team. We you know, yeah, would we love to all have, you know, um uh a, a you know, a bunch of Chris Bryant just pounding home runs out there or no, we need different positions because he can only play third base. You know, right. he can't play, you know, so he, and so we want to make sure we have diversity in our teams. 
And that's what strengths allows us to do. It, it allows us to identify what those strengths are and then potentially hire or potentially put kids in places that they need to be placed. And actually, StrengthsFinder has a junior version of this assessment. I think it's called Pathfinder, and you can take it as early as fifth grade and make sense out of it. Yeah, I would, I would encourage all the parents that, you know, if you want your kid to go somewhere, you've got to go first. So I would say that yeah. the dad listen to this is you do strength finders for yourself and then take it and say, look, son, I did this. This is what I found out about myself. Now you go ahead and do it too. It's just that you know, these things are just super powerful tools, and, and, and we're just so lucky that in an age they are very affordable. I'll add this too, just in another great example. Tim Wakefield was never so successful as when he was uh, a reliever for or the next the pitcher following in the rotation, Pedro Martinez. So he was a reliever for a while. He was the closer. And then there was a while where he was a starter. Where he would, so if, he, if Pedro started on Saturday, he would start on Sunday. And if Sunday was during when he was a reliever, his best outing were after Pedro Martinez. Because Pedro Martinez came with his unique gifts for six, seven innings. And then they'd bridge guy, and then here comes Wakefield with his knuckleball. And it's just, yeah. you know, and that's, the, the, to me, like the perfect example um, of just how this worked together. And, and Wakefield became more successful because of Pedro and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, and so I however, think we just, yeah, and I think we really need to, once again, as a parent, I do exactly the opposite thing that I coach parents here you know, that I interact with at the, at the college level, I do the exact opposite. Our, all of our children have strengths. All of our children have yeah. talents. And instead of focusing on that negative piece or instead of focusing on whatever that one thing is, one, let them explore, but two, be encouraging, particularly when they fail. You know, one of the things yeah. that I – you don't learn without failure. And so they're going to fail. And so instead of harping on that fail, you talked about, you know, those moments in history. We forget about history, but so many times as parents, we want to focus on those moments. And instead of focusing on those moments, find that whatever positive comes out of it. Or, hey, let them explain to you. What did you learn from that? Or how did that make you feel? So many times as parents, we want to say, you were great. Oh, my gosh, I love that play. Instead of going to them and saying, how do you think you did? I think right. that we miss those opportunities to allow our, our players or our children to express in their own words how, they, how that success or even that failure made them feel. Right. And I think what we're getting at here is a long story is that doesn't, we're not saying that maybe the baseball isn't the best sport for your kid or, or, or baseball is. What we're saying mm -hmm. is that there, there's probably a role that suits your child best in everywhere, you know, in every place he goes. You know, yep. there's there's a role that can be played. So let me ask you this question. You work with 18 to 20-something-year-olds. Uh, if you could talk to every, you know, father, parent that was 7 to 15, 16, and say, this is one, based on my work in, in kids of this age, what they struggle with. Here's one thing I think you should try and figure out during this stage of your life that would make things a little bit easier later on. What would that thing be? That's a great question. 
<laughs> it could be a couple things. A really I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to great, That is really a great question. One, I think there is, and this is just speaking from the, the students that I interact with, there's a lot of students who um, have not been given the opportunity to um, to fail. And when they have failed, they've um, it, it's been it's been that one moment, right? It's been that you know they've the parents have harped on them. So I and I don't want I'm not here to preach because I do the exact same thing to my son, even though I do this for a living. So I think it's I think it's they haven't been given an opportunity to either fail or to be able to experience. They've a, a lot of students that I meet with are, are pretty sheltered. I don't know whether that's the if it's the same if you go to a big state school. I'm just speaking about my um, the students that I interact with here. Many of them are sheltered, and so allowing your child to grow, fail. You know, uh, some some somebody told me once. You know, we can't protect them with the, or the things that we protect them against now. The little things. You know, we obviously don't want them running out in the middle of the street and getting hit by a car. But the failures that they have now aren't aren't as catastrophic as the failures they're going to have at 18. And if we don't allow them to fail at a younger age, they're not going to know what to do, and they're not going to know how to experience those failures at 18. And those catastrophic failures at 18 could be life-altering. And so if we allow them to experience failure and allow them to experience pain at a younger age, and I'm not talking about physical pain, although it could be if you're, if, you know, if they're playing football in the street, you know, and they wind up getting hurt, they're going to understand you probably don't want to play football on, on concrete. But those smaller pains or smaller failures will be less catastrophic if they get to experience them at 7, 8, 9, 10, than potentially what could happen to them when they're 18. Does that make right. sense? They see it's not so bad. They see they can re- come back from it. Exactly. They, can be, they can be resilient. But when they get to 18 and they do something that could potentially be life-altering, they don't know, one, they're doing that because they've never experienced it because they've been sheltered. So they, they potentially have the opportunity to go through that uh, pain. Whereas if we were to let them do it at 7, 8 and learn that lesson, they probably wouldn't do it. But also, how do you rebound? They, a lot of students don't know how to rebound from failure. And they yeah. just, it consumes their life. And so I think if I could just one piece of right, let your, let your kids, I'm, and I'm speaking to myself here too, let them fail. And then let them recover. Because yeah. in the end, that failure is going to, uh, is going to, it's gonna, they're gonna understand what that means later on. And then also, let's focus on the positives. If they're not doing well in math or they're not doing well in a certain subject and they're doing well in every other subject, well, let's manage that manage that weakness or whatever we want to call it, that non-strength, but celebrate the strengths, celebrate the successes. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll pay dividends later on in life. Right. So two last two questions. Yeah. Taking everything that you know from, from your occupation, what has baseball taught you 
that maybe you couldn't learn anywhere else. I always know it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, when the answers come real fast, I know. Okay, I thought. Yeah. I, well, it's a and it is a great question because I am. I mean, I love the fact my son plays soccer. He's you know a good little soccer player. He's a good little basketball player. You know, he is getting ready to start flag football for the first time. But I love baseball and I love watching him play baseball. It's my by far my favorite sport to watch him play because he he plays pretty well for his age and he he loves the game. And so I think one I think expectations are huge because baseball is such a long development period and we just expect kids to go in there and be able to play and if they can't play we give up on them. And so I think one giving giving children a break, you know, and letting them progress at their own developmental pace. I think it's taught me a lot, just being able to say, okay, I need to give players a greater chance and let them, once again, let them go in, and if they fail, okay, let them fail. But then also, yeah, I just think it. I think it's taught me just to, to be able to step back and go, okay, so they're going to have their own development period and then we need to allow them to develop at their own pace and try not to push them into what we feel is the right box. Right. And that's in right. life in general. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't put people in places, and we shouldn't just assume people are should be something just because we that's the expectation, that's the perception we have. Yeah, awesome. So last question is what advice do you have to – um, I know your son's pretty early in the process, but to guys who are listening, what's one overarching theme or advice that you would give to the dads who are listening? Don't try and be their coach. I know, I know that. I know that people, there's other ways you can get involved in your child's sports. You can be, you know, an assistant or even parents who are great coaches. It's just. Unless you are, unless you, especially for the little ones, unless you are, um, understand what it's like to deal with six, seven, eight-year-old boys, particularly, girls seem to, I don't know, they seem to manage themselves pretty well. But little boys are, unless you understand the, the, one, the physiology, but also the psychology of dealing with children at that age, I mean, that in itself is a whole other uh, skill set that you have to have, and then you try and teach them a, a, a sport that requires a lot of patience on their part. So I, I think for me, I'm, I think I'm going to enjoy this next season much more, stepping back away from coaching and just watching. I want to be a, I want to be a watching dad for at least a season, just so I can see what that feels like. My wife has already stepped away from being the team mom, and she just gets to sit in the stand now and watch and enjoy. And so I think that would be my greatest piece of advice is just if you find a good coach, obviously you want to be monitor and you want to be a part of it, but I think allow somebody else to be on the field coaching them. I don't know. That's 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 what I, I agree. I'm thinking. I agree. Be a dad, be a coach, or be a dad. Don't yeah, you don't have to be the coach. 
Hey guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Rick Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So again, thank you so much and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com all the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.